0: Welcome to ChangeBoard's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. I'm Tom Ritchie, ChangeBoard's multimedia editor. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe. The Future Talent Podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today I'm joined by Jan Zyderveld, Chief Executive of Avon. Before joining Avon in 2018, Jan had worked around the world for Unilever in a number of different positions and led the business's operation in Europe for over seven years. Since joining Avon just under 12 months ago, Jan has led a digitalization strategy that has revolutionized the way their beauty products have been sold by their 6 million independent sales representatives around the world. In this podcast, Jan talks about being a male CEO for a brand that calls itself the Company for Women how he has approached digitizing Avon services, and gives his advice to other leaders on leading a business through a period of disruption and innovation. Jan, thanks uh, so much for speaking with us today. Um, I thought we could start with uh, just a quick introduction to yourself, your career. So what has been uh, your career path and what has your experience uh, been of leading Avon for the past year?
1: Yeah, no, my career path is a little bit complex. I was born in Holland, grew up in New Zealand, went to university in New Zealand, and started with Unilever in uh, Petone, Wellington, uh, New Zealand. And from there, uh, firstly, I married, obviously, a, a beautiful Kiwi lady, and took her across the world from New Zealand to Australia a short time, then to the Netherlands, then to Italy, then to Sweden, then to Dubai, then to Singapore, then to Netherlands, to have basically a 30-year career in, uh, in Unilever with the last seven years as the president of Europe, and on the executive committee. And then, well, basically this time last year, uh, the opportunity of Avon came along. And I decided that, uh, yeah, such an iconic brand, iconic business model, uh, but a company that hadn't been doing very well, that needed reinventing, was the challenge for me to, uh, to try something new, to try a new adventure, and see whether we can, yeah, help bring this great business and great brand back to, uh, back to life. And
0: I just wanted to, to touch upon something before we kind of move on to the digital transformation piece um, that'll, that you'll be speaking about at our conference as well in, in March. Um, you are the first male appointed CEO of Avon in almost two decades, um, and I noticed on the way into the building that you know it says that the uh, it's a company for women. Um, how have you approached being a man at the helm of a company that calls itself? The company for women?
1: Now, I think a couple of things. First of all, this is a company that's 130 years old. So, uh, And for most of its history, it had all male CEOs. Mm. Uh, and then, of course, it had two very good and iconic uh, lady CEOs. And I, and now I've come back to do that. But I think it is more about, you know, it's, it's a few dimensions to this. One, it's not about being necessarily male or female. It is about representing what the company stands for and what the values of the female values stand for. And I think... The nice thing about Avon is that it is a company that, of course, has products for women, sold by women. And that was invented by by a founder 130 years ago. And I strongly believe in that, to have products for women, sold by women. And the core role of this company, therefore, is to offer amazing products. I think we have great technology products, in fact, at really amazing value. We don't pay for all the other expensive advertising, the expensive value system that many other companies, prestige, personal care companies have. We make the products, we invest in the technology and we give some margin to the ladies to provide the livelihoods for themselves. And I think that is a product, a a, a company for women that provides livelihoods to women to be able to do that, to offer great products at great value. And that's what I believe in. The second thing that this company has done over the years is stand for women's values. So we really believe not only providing livelihoods to people, great quality to people, but also stand for the things that are important to women. Breast cancer, you know, we have given almost a billion dollars over the lifetime now to the really awareness and action plans and support around breast cancer. And I really feel proud about that. The second thing we've now picked up over the last few years is violence against women. So Mm -hmm. if you see what we're doing as a company around the world is to really make people aware about the big issue about violence against women and girls. We've helped change legislation in Argentina. We've created awareness and, and, and helped Uh, Lines for people so we are really a company that that has a DNA of women inside I happen to be a male, but Mm. I strongly (laughs) believe in what we do and our purpose of of our business Okay, and
0: um so to move on to the to the digitalization of, of the business, like you said, it's 130 years old, it's a, a business that's kind of famous for the way that it distributes its products. Um, but in 2018, you launched a, a new strategy for the business, um, introducing a new e-brochure amongst other things. Uh, so could you explain that the, the kind of like the new product uh, in a bit more detail and, and what that means in practice um, for your representatives?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we've been selling, as you know, woman to woman via a brochure for a heck of a long time. And that's a good business, it's a nice business, and lots of people want to do that. But what we realized is that, you know, there's, there's now the internet, there's the technology. And how do we create a business where we maintain that direct connect... But, which is a high-touch business, but add high-tech to it. Mm. So how can we not only have a, a brochure that's physical, but start it off with an e-brochure, that you can have that brochure distributed via WhatsApp, or via Messenger, or via Facebook, and then can people look at the brochure on their phone, wherever they are, whenever they are, and buy products from that. And that is a huge... A uh, New initiative that we started immediately after I came is now in 50 countries already and 10% of all the views of brochures around the world now is already via this e brochure which we launched only six months ago uh, And through that of course we reach a whole new generation of people younger people different moments different time different experience and now we're starting to obviously think about different types of brochures more focused brochures differentiated brochures more frequent brochures so we can set up a whole new business Really, not just only on the physical brochure, but also on the digital brochure. Mm. So, reaching new people, new times, new mechanisms, faster, more modern, in a fun way, uh, to get this business in the 21st century. Yeah, and one of the obviously one of
0: the 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 key problems that you would face in in launching um, new products in this way would be. Uh, how can you communicate that change in direction to your customer base? So how
1: did you go about communicating that change? Well, as always with these things, we have really invested in training, training and development. We have six million beauty entrepreneurs out Mm. there. Some don't want to change, but a big percentage of them Um, really see this as a new opportunity to grow their business, to reach new customers, to not just knock on 10, 20, 30 people doors, but now they can put it on their Facebook page with 100 friends or 200 friends or 300 friends and really drive that. So we've identified the people that are really keen to grow their businesses, to develop their businesses, and then train them and develop them and help them. And then the third thing, which is always so important in these things, to find hero users. Find the people that are really good in a country, of the the, the people that get it, and let them teach the teacher. You know, when you have a network of six million people, we can't do all the teaching ourselves. So we're really looking for leaders in our organization that are adopting these new technologies and teach and inspire others to do the same. So this is about teaching, training, inspiring, and sharing success stories.
0: Mm. And has and that um, process been reflected in the way that you've made changes internally? You know, you've, you've been in the job for just over 12 months? Not quite yet, but not we're getting there. Yet. Not <laughs> quite yet. Uh, so what, what changes have you made in the internal day-to-day running of the, of the business?
1: Well, it started up with really, first and foremost, confronting reality. That we have a nice business, but the business that needed to be modernized. Mm. Then we came up with a new strategy, which we called Open Up. And we chose the word Open Up Avon in a very impo- uh, conscious word, obviously, which is opening up the mind, the new opportunities, to new people, to new representatives, to new technology. So our whole opening up strategy was also designed to create the internal mindset of, hey, we're going to open up to new things. And this was a, an important part of that. Then it was about injecting some new talents, some new thinking, some new people. And then it's about celebrating success of the things that are going well. So when you have your green shoots, to highlight those and say, hey, look, it's working, it's driving, to try and encourage the development of other people. So it was a new plan, Mm. new ways of working, trying to get some moonshot, to get some green shoots out there, and then celebrating the success of those green shoots to encourage others to do the same.
0: Mm. Avon, you've got over six million independent sales representatives. How has their experience day to day changed and how do you communicate the digitization of the product directly to them? Because if managing six million independent sales representatives across the world seems like a very daunting
1: challenge. It is uh, so we've that is so as always you eat the elephant in pieces right yeah uh, so we so you cannot uh, in one swoop talk to six million uh, beauty consultants and beauty entrepreneurs so one of the big things in the open up strategy is actually segmentation it's one on one marketing but we weren't doing that very well we were treating all of the people the same and as we all know people are not all the same mm. so we have different types of people you know people who just want to buy a few products and do it in the old fashioned way we treat them that way and we. Allow them, allow them, we encourage them to continue to do that. Other people want to buy, build a bigger business and recruit more people and we've got to target them and train them in different ways. Other people what we want to, want to become an e-rep, we call them now sort of the digital rep, and we target them. So it's about really segmenting the different representatives that we have in mm. the different countries and then try and create support and training mechanisms to help them become more successful. So it's all about, and one of my big words is to de-average things. You know, average is is mm. awful. Yeah. We really gotta de-average things. But how people are in Moscow are very different how they are in rural r- Russia. How mm. people are in Sao Paulo are very different than they are in the Amazon. You know, a, an older, retired person that likes to sell her products to her maybe older generation ladies in her apartment block is very, very different than my 24-year-old young daughter living in London wanting to earn a maybe 100, 200 pounds extra mm. with Avon products, but she's going to do it in a very, very different way. So this whole theme about de-averaging and finding the right solutions for those people is, I think, a huge insight that we're driving.
0: And of course, that's, that wouldn't have been possible without the advent of these new products, because obviously in the past, it might have been that the de-averaging might not have actually been... Been possible.
1: You're exactly right. So, also our portfolio we're adjusting. So, you know, some that, certain people will want cheaper, more everyday products, but in the cities and the urban places, they'll want more sophisticated, higher value, better quality, higher price products. I mean, in, in the Central Europe right now, we're launching a new mix called Mission Y, mm. which is a premium skincare mix. But Ladies can only sell that if they've been certified to sell that. So if you want to sell Mission Y in Eastern Europe, you've got to go and come for a one day training, get a certificate, get a whole support mechanism to be able to sell these more sophisticated products with the digital tools around it to be able to support that. So it's again about de-averaging and finding the right solutions for the right people.
0: Yeah, and this kind of brings me on to my next question, actually. So um, one of the factors in making uh, success of digital transformation, um, and this is something that we speak to a lot of uh, HRDs and CEOs about, is that you need to put the talent over the technology. Now, the technology can allow you to make the changes that you might want in your business, but if the people who are actioning that plan in your case the six million independent sales representatives the people who work here with you in in the central office Um, if they don't buy in then the technology can only do so much so how do you make that happen in progress in practice how do you Put talent over technology in yeah, the course of a change a, this like this. This is
1: a huge, uh, you know, you got in some extent you got a legacy business with legacy talent, mm. and we want to modernize the business. And as part of that, you got to get some injection of new talent, but you also got to organize it differently. So when you start thinking about, first of all, it starts with the really basic: can your core operating systems cope with this? Answer mm. is no. So you need to modernize some of your core systems. Then you need to develop the new tools uh, and new, new, new digital technologies, i.e. the engineers, which we didn't have, uh, and they're in a more open way. We're partnering with many more different companies because we don't have to do everything ourselves in this Mm. company anymore. We've got to go and partner with different people to get the tools and the technologies, and we're putting in lots of new tools and technologies. But then after that, you need the drivers. I mean, I'm now talking about the analogy. Some people build the Formula One car, some people drive the Formula One car. You don't want the driver to build the car. Honestly, you don't want the people who build the car also to drive the car. Mm. So you need, you know, you need all sorts of different people to put this thing together. And then the drivers are then the final users of the product are the ladies. But not all six million of them will want the tool, but maybe one million or half a million. They may want different tools. So you have got to think through the whole process of the builders, the drivers, the early adopters, and then the rollout of these things to rewire this whole company to become the digital social selling beauty company, which is my vision. But Mm. it's about tools, it's about technology, it's about people, it's about wiring, and pulling all of that new cocktail together is an exciting journey. Yeah.
0: And uh, so we touched on it briefly that you'd be speaking at our uh, our conference in March, and um, we recently spoke to Scott Snyder from Hydric and Struggles about his book, um, Goliath's Revenge. And that was about what large businesses um, with a legacy, such as Avon, can learn from the Silicon Valley startups, the agile, smaller businesses. Um, so I'd kind of like just to ask you, what do you think is, is the key lesson that a small business yeah. can teach a large business such as yours, but then also vice versa? So what can smaller businesses, the, the, the agile businesses, learn to scale their their outputs yeah
1: there's this big debate you know small brands are more successful than big brands Uh, everyone's saying this i don't agree at all it's relevant brands and irrelevant brands you can be a relevant small brand and grow fast you can be an irrelevant big brand and decline but there are many relevant big brands that also decline so it's not about big or small it's about relevant or irrelevant some of the big companies and brands have become irrelevant because they lost touch with their consumer base and small or relevant brands pass them by. But it's not because they're small. It's because they're better. Mm. So then you fa- start unpacking what makes them better. And there's a few things that makes them better. Most of those more successful companies, big or small, are better connected to the consumer. Mm. Are more in touch with what's happening in the marketplace. And the risk of a big company is that you become so self-obsessed and so busy with yourself. You forget the reason why you in fact exist. So... A small company, and what we're adopting is this small company mindset, are some of the principles that I I really strongly believe in that have to be put back in a big company. The first one is really solving consumer and customer problems and becoming obsessed with the consumer and customer. And One of the things that I'm sure and I hope you would find in Avon is that we have a new boss, and that's not me. The boss are the six million beauty consultants and the over 100 million people that use us. And I all the time talk about our boss. Are we serving our boss? And that's what successful small or big companies do. They put the boss back at the center of the business. The second thing is they have different ways of operating. Big companies, because they're big, they do processes, linear, you know, this and hand over to that, that takes long. Whereas small companies are iterative. They work in smaller teams, multifunctional teams, much higher speed get quick prototypes, minimum viable products, test them out with the boss, refine, 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 and then scale, which is the bit that they can do and we can do. So it is about putting the boss at the center. It's about new ways of working, minimum viable product, work in multifunctional teams, work in sprint methodology, i.e. everything done in two weeks, not more than two weeks, everything you do is two week blocks. Those are the things we can adopt and we can make a bigger company faster, and more relevant again. What can a small company not do where the big company can't do? Uh, where a bi- small company can't do, which is to scale things. The great ability of big companies, the ability to scale, because they have the network, they have the infrastructure, they normally have the funds to do that. So you create the hallelujah, if you have a big company with a small company mindset or with a startup mindset. And that can be done. Put the boss back at the heart of the company, start working in an iterative way, start working in small teams, learn fast, scale fast, but learn fast, and work with uh, the the, the sort of time scales of uh, sprint teams. Mm -hmm. So I think we can really reinvent big to become small and maintain the advantage of big companies.
0: That's great, great uh, advice. And I would like to leave our listeners with um, one final piece of advice. This is quite specific, actually, but um, to a CEO um, in, in any business that is looking to go through a period of digital disruption and innovation, what would your advice be?
1: Well, this is, so <laughs> this is the $100 million question. Yeah, exactly, it so yeah. fast. Every company, every business is thinking about this thing. And I think, first and foremost, as a leader and as a business person, you've got to be really conscious and aware of what's going on in the world. It is moving so fast. And by the way, it's so exciting mm-hmm. that uh, you have a real responsibility to try and keep up, which means reading, learning, sensing what's going on. And this level, I really believe in leaders need to be curious. They need to have a hunger to learn. So I know it starts with that. It's a bit about our opening up again, an open mindset. What's going on out there? The second thing is that you get bombarded with many ideas, with many new toys. It's walking into a toy store, and you like all the toys, Mm. and you like everything you see. And what you see is that that is super dangerous because you jump from one thing to another, and you think that this toy is better than that toy, and by the time you pick up one toy, you want the next toy. So the next thing, which is more difficult, is to really understand your current business, what's important in your current business, and think about technology as an accelerator, or a a transformer. But it's not the the technology. It is that the technology helps you transform whatever you think you're good at and where you need to make the changes. And when you see great companies that have broken through or have done something different, they have used that technology to make their business stronger, to make whatever they're good at stronger. So in our case, it is about how can i turn our six million entrepreneurs into micro-influencers you know Mm. there's a huge trend about you know it's to some extent mistrust of big brands big organization big institutions people trust their friends again and so if i start thinking about this thing i've got a business that is high touch high person high people it's people power it's woman to woman it's communities it's close to people so how can technology help those ladies to become more effective, to reach more people, to influence more, to build deeper, more fundamental relationships. A high-touch, high-tech business for high impact and high access, so that's the words we're using as well. So the trick, I think, is to be understanding what's going on, to understand fundamentally what makes your business different, unique, and what technology that is out there can help you unlock that element that makes you different and you unique. That is super difficult. Mm. And then you've got to do ho- figure out how to do that. Get the people, get the tools, get the adoption. But these two, qu- these two things, I think, is the advice uh, to, f- to, 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 to others as well, uh, as we all go through the, un- the journey of staying relevant with our core business concept, with the new technology tools to be around for another 130 years.
0: I think that's a great note to leave it on, Jan. Thank you so much for talking to us today. My pleasure. Jan will be joining us at the 6th Future Talent Conference at the Royal Geographical Society in London on the 21st of March. Our lineup of speakers include the CEO of Stonewall, Ruth Hunt, author and journalist Matthew Saeed, and philosopher Robert Roland Smith. Visit ftconf2019.com, that's F-T-C-O-N-F 2019.com, to register for your ticket. Thanks for listening. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon.